Welcome to AwareCast. In this podcast, we talk about information security risks in your day-to-day life, both on and offline. Each episode, we interview a specialist from the field about recognizable situations. AwareCast aims to inspire and inform you to become more resilient against information security threats and increase your security awareness. This podcast is hosted by Awareways, a company that helps organizations with behavioral change in the field of information security and privacy. I'm your host, Joost Kersius. I'm a developer at Awareways, and I like to discover new things. I'm always interested to learn more. Uh, today, I'm joined by my co-host, Robin. Hi, I'm Robin Verdaasdonk. I'm a work and organizational psychologist, and I'm also a program manager at Awareways. Um, I'm always eager to understand why people do what they do and how they can become more security aware and behave accordingly. Our guest this episode is Jan-Willem Bullet. He's an assistant professor at the University of Twente and an expert in the field of social engineering. Welcome. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Yeah. Welcome, Jan-Willem. Let's get just right into it. Sure, let's go. What is social engineering? Social engineering is an umbrella term eh, that fits a lot of different types of online crime, online offenses. Eh, it, it operates as email phishing, telephone scams, SMS fraud. And social engineering really aims to uh, make you the user. Eh, it's, a, it's, a, it's focused on the, on, the, on the humans, on people to make them a victim of a crime. You say it's an online crime. Is it also sometimes offline or just online? It mainly is online, but hey, you can come. Hey, it's uh, hey, it's about uh, the offender trying to convince you, a, a person, uh, hey, to, for example, click a link or to, to enter credentials or to, to provide... Uh, personal identifiable information, uh, for example, banking accounts of passwords. Uh, it can happen online uh, f- uh, via email, via, via web forms, but it can also happen more offline, eh? f- for example, via the telephone or even via postal cards. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's both. It's both. Do you have any concrete examples maybe of things that uh, off the top of your head, uh, uh, a social engineering trick or some some major event people might recognize or maybe uh well i know some i know an event that i think a lot of people people recognize and it's 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 really an ancient event that dates back to the to the trojan war uh with the uh, the old greeks and the the trojans were at war and uh, at some point in time i think after 10 years of being in war with each other uh, the greeks uh, they retreated from the from the battlefield and they left a huge wooden horse and the, the Trojans, they, they, they thought they, they won the war, they, they celebrated their victory, so to say, so they welcomed their, their, their parting gift from their enemy. And we all know actually how this story ends. During the yeah. night, the Greek, uh, Greek soldiers appeared from that wooden horse and uh, conquered the city. And what, what, what's really shown here is that uh, they uh, used uh, the, the social part, the, the, they exploited the human element to achieve a mm. goal that was physically uh, impossible to, to, uh, to reach. And I think that that's also uh, the, 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 the core of, of social engineering. It's really used uh, at exploiting the human 
at a point where it's very hard to uh, reach a goal uh, by technical means. What is the goal? Well, the goal can be a lot of things. It mainly boils down to obtaining money, or network access, or uh, harvesting personal identifiable information. But it can be anything else that's of interest of the, uh, of the offender. And can you explain a little bit more about the psychology about social engineering? As I'm a psychologist, I'm very interested in the people part of things. Uh, well, the, the offender, he, he, he contacts you and what he tries to do is to uh, convince you to uh, basically to victimize yourself. In the end, you are the one who clicks on a link in a phishing email or you are the one who uh, enters uh, your username and password somewhere where it's where it not belongs. And uh, the offender he uses all kinds of psychological tricks, uh, manipulations, uh, uh, deception to add to, to, to strengthen it, add, add to, to con trying to convince you in, in, in following his lead. Okay, yeah. Is there any difference, any recognizable difference between different groups of people, maybe age groups or uh, groups of uh, uh, background or uh, communities? Well, what, what I did is yeah, I, I, I browsed the scientific literature and I exp uh, explicitly looked for studies that focus on email phishing. And what I did is I, yeah, I, I, I basically I read them all and I noted down what kind of uh, users were involved in, that, uh, in those studies and what kind of characteristics did they have. And what really uh, stuck to me is that there is no difference between female and male uh, participants of all those experiments. So meaning that females and males are equally uh, vulnerable to uh, the threat of email phishing. But also, well, the what also was one of the findings of, my, of one of my experiments is that uh, uh, employees in an organization, those who are young and those who are have a limited years of service for that particular organization were the most vulnerable group. So they were more likely to click on a phishing link than those than uh, the other employees. So is there also then a difference between adults and children? Um, obviously, most organizations and um, most providers of uh, information security solutions are the ones focused on companies and the adults that work at companies. Mm -hmm. How about children? Are they susceptible to social engineering? One, would, one could think that eh, children are the eh, digital natives. They are... Uh, raised basically with a, with a telephone or a tablet in their hand. Yeah. Yeah, but being very good with that technology does not imply that they're also very good at uh, detecting uh, deception, and uh, deception and fraud. So we also see in, uh, in these studies that children are also uh, very easily uh, victimized and a vulnerable group. But we still often hear very, very many uh, news articles or uh, things like that about companies, organizations getting hacked due to social engineering attempts. So why would people uh, fall for social engineering attempts? Well, I think I think that relates to uh, add to your to your daily routines. And for example, if you are a hockey player and you receive a a phishing email that relates to the topic of football, then uh, that doesn't make any sense to you. Uh, it's it's odd. It does not 
fit in your, your day-to-day activities. It's not in your, your social environment. So that doesn't make sense and get red flagged and uh, thrown away. On the other hand, if you are a hockey player and you get a, uh, a phishing email on the topic of hockey, then uh, that fits your, your social context, it fits your, your ideas, it fits your... It, 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 it doesn't ring a bell. And, it's, and that's how these offenders, they try to come up with scenarios that fit your fit in your in your daily life one one story i i remember from uh, from one of those experiments uh, after uh, people participated in in an experiment or in a in a simulation i always gave them the option to to have a chat with me and talk about what happened how they they feel what, what how they experienced it and i think i will never forget this story there was one participant who's, who said well yeah I participated in your, uh, it was a telephone, it was social engineering via the telephone, so we mimicked a Microsoft technical support scam, and that participant uh, was victimized. So uh, I had a chat, and uh, the participant said, well, uh, I read about these stories in the newspaper, and then I actually always have to laugh about them. Uh, since it's super obvious, that this is a scam, this is an attack, this is fake. But yeah, now I got victimized. So it really shows that had observing how such an attack happens from the outside really differs from how you experience it yourself. Yeah. And perhaps I don't recall whether that person was busy or not, but that can also be one of those one of those factors that hey, if you're busy and uh, quick, 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 and I have to, uh, to process this uh, and get on with my uh, to-do list. What can we as individuals do to be more aware of social engineering? Maybe we have some concrete tips um, that we can give our listeners so they can be more aware and maybe prevent them, uh, prevent social engineers from making them a victim. Well. I'm a, I'm a scientist, I'm a researcher, and in the, the research I did on social engineering, I also tried to come up with interventions that reduces this victimization. And those are even simple interventions and trainings that can be integrated in daily life very easy, uh, easily, can have great success rates. Side note is, the success decays very fast. So you really have to keep up to date, up to speed on the topic. And this, uh, recently we replicated this. Uh, we've also found this effect in training, uh, training materials for, for, for children in primary schools. Uh, we've uh, successfully learned them about the dangers online. And they were, uh, after the training sessions, they were better in recognizing uh, legitimate uh, versus fake uh, 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 emails, website, and social media content. And we also see that, that again, over time, this, this skill decays. So um, at some point, they're back to square one. So it's really important to keep active on this topic, keep it, uh, keep it live, keep it alive. Yeah, yeah. Making being aware and having a constant conversation with 
your friends, with your colleagues about social engineering, uh, sharing uh, situations, sharing news articles with each other uh, can keep you relevant in the space and keep you aware of uh, possible attack vectors there. That's uh, really important. Um, is there anything that we can do? Uh, can we maybe uh, recognize things easier uh, with certain keywords? Uh, can we look for certain uh, flags in in messages or communication that can trip up uh, our personal alarm bells to signify, hey, this might be suspicious activity? Uh, what 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 can we look for? Well, a lot of communication online happens via uh, via URLs, via links. Hey, in the end, in the case of email phishing, you are the one clicking on a malicious link. So having knowledge on how to identify those malicious links and how to identify legitimate links, that in my opinion can really help reducing victimization. On the other hand, hey, you have a gut feeling. So hey, it's also good to use it uh, now and then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, for sure. Uh, I've recognized some some phishing attempts by by sheer uh like plain uh yeah common sense common sense is the the word i was looking for uh yeah uh so that's a, a good tip to keep healthy always suspect uh something especially when they're asking uh for you to take action if they're asking you to pay something if they're asking you to uh log in if they're asking you to do something send an email by x amount of time but even then if you think hey, that is from a trusted source for example there is this uh there's this case or more like a scenario or even better term would be a scheme where hey, a parent receives a uh, uh, an in stress message from from her child uh, his, his or her child saying mom dad uh, yeah, i I dropped my phone of uh, my phone in the in the toilet. Eh, this is my new number. Now I'm still talking to you. Eh, I also have some bills to pay. Can you help me out? Eh, a yeah, common we hear that a lot. W- one thing that often goes wrong in these these schemes, from eh, from the point of view of the parent, is not to uh, eh, to validate. No, it's not to check the identity of the person who they are communicating with. Hey, you receive uh, a message from so-called uh, your daughter or your your uh, your son. Why don't you call them on the number that you already have? Simply to, 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 uh, to validate the identity of the one you are talking with. Yeah, or the number that they try to connect with you now. Because then if it's not them, You'll find out soon enough, I guess. Well, I think we can have a discussion on that. Okay. I would not not use that particular one as a as a TS. It's also some 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 drawbacks when when doing that. Okay. Most likely the one eh, they will uh, discard uh, the call and never answer you. Well, that is a red flag. That absolutely is a <laughs> is a is a is a red flag. But yeah, that connect them with information you already have, not with the newly provided information. Uh, I want to thank you for your uh, 
for your interview, uh, for your responses, your answers uh, to our very, very complicated questions, of course. Um, all right. Uh, with that, I'd like to introduce our recurring segment. Uh, it's called Fool Me Once, uh, and we're sharing stories uh, with security risks uh, that we encounter in our day-to-day -day lives. Um, usually we have a good laugh about them, uh, but they're also still serious security risks. Uh, so they're also meant to keep us on edge, uh, to keep us aware of what's going on in the space, uh, to be, um, yeah, to know what's going on so we can help prevent each other uh, from become, becoming a victim of these attacks. Uh, so for this first segment, uh, Robin, I think you have a story for us. Yes, that's correct. Um, so one of our colleagues, uh, let's call her Joan for privacy reasons, obviously. Um, she had a chat with someone on a dating app and he told her that his phone got stolen and that after a while he figured out that all his socials as well as his email account got hacked. And then he also told her that the reason that this could happen was that he um, stored his ID card in his phone cover. And to make things worse, he used his date of birth as his password to his phone. As you can imagine, our colleague Joan never went on a date with this guy. So <laughs> very, very nice story. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, so Jan Willem, what do you think went wrong here? Help us out. Is this like an exam or so? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it, it, it's it's of course we, we mentioned something in the story of, in in general, and yeah, if you're yeah. familiar, you'll know. But yeah, I th I think that uh, yeah, there should be first of all should be no shame on being on dating websites. On the other, of dating apps or uh, putting yourself out there. On the other hand. I think it it is shameful to use a very easy to guess password or pin code, yeah, especially when you that. basically put that information on top of the device itself. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's basically like using a post-it note next to your computer with your password on it. Uh, there, there's some very obvious things there. That it's it's very easy for somebody that doesn't know you, uh, doesn't have any information about you to still get access to your device. Uh, there's a whole bunch of things. Even just having the ID card inside your phone itself is a risk itself. Identity theft is a thing. Uh, also, please, if you're using a slightly insecure password or maybe you're, you've told your password to somebody Reset it. That's a good tip. Always try to think of some uh, number that might seem random that's not connected to you. Uh, so please don't use your date of birth for a pin code in your phone. Don't use uh, a student number or anything in that sense. The name of your pet, the name of your children, any names that can yeah. be connected to you. <laughs> yeah, things like that. Another good tip is also to uh, use unique passwords for any account, any device you have. Yeah, and two-factor authentication, right? So yep. we can set that for most accounts nowadays. So most of our social media accounts and work accounts usually even have that as a set control that you need to also have two-factor authentication, or also known as 2FA. So you can find that out on the web as well where you can set that. Yeah, so... Uh... And I even believe that uh, the majority of... Uh, 
phone operating systems have the sort of like self-destruct functionality built in. Oh, I didn't know. That's hey, scary. If you, if you answer, if, uh, provide the, the incorrect pin code for three times, five times, ten times, hey, it wipes the device. Oh, yeah, that one. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I, I didn't know. I mean, it could be very handy uh, unless you might be impaired in some way and maybe mistype your password too often or if you're drunk maybe not the best idea Uh, sometimes it just asks you to wait for 30 seconds and you can try again i think that'd be the better option (laughs) right cool uh anyway um i think that's the end of our podcast for uh for today uh thanks jan willem for all your uh, amazing responses and your inputs uh it was a joy having you no worries. Happy to be here. Uh, happy to answer all your your questions. And I hope that uh, yeah, by providing uh, uh, these answers to your questions, uh, we made some people uh, more aware and uh, more resilient uh, regarding cyber threats out there. The cyber threats out there. Yeah. Thanks so much, Jan Willem, for all your insights and your practical tips. And uh, to all our listeners out there, I think uh, our tip is to be aware always. Yeah. Uh, Thanks, of course, to you as well, Robin, for being my co-host this week. Thank you, Joost. That's it for this episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to follow us on your favorite podcasting platforms. For more information about Awareways, go to awareways.com.